0: Note of Justin's wonderful brotherliness. Bonjour, hello, and happy Friday, everybody. I Thank you so much brother. for joining Absolutely. us for Finn's Fanfare Friday, Volume 17. We are super excited to be with you on this Friday. And what we're more excited about is the fact that we have crossed the Sahara Desert, the Amazon rainforest, of the lack of football in these past few months. And we're super excited to have some real stuff to talk about this week. And what this means is that we are on the slow and steady climb to having very long podcasting episodes in the next bunch of months. So, very excited to be here. Lots to talk about today. Obviously, right now, we're very uh, logistics-focused, given that NFL is still trying to figure out exactly what happens in terms of how football gets going with COVID, etc. So, on that note, we're going to be talking a lot about Dolphins players um, having not opted out for COVID-19, although several did uh, test positive for COVID-19. We're going to be talking about some other key AFC East players who have opted out. It's actually been quite a crazy ride, and we're thankful not just because Patriots players have opted out as Dolphins fans, but because it gives us license to talk about that on this week's podcast, because this is very current news. We're actually recording this week's podcast on Thursday evening. We generally record these on Wednesdays, but because there had been so much happening, uh, we wanted to be sure that we were as current as we can be So We'll be up into the wee hours of the morning editing this podcast to make sure it gets up Right, first thing on Friday. We're going to talk about Tua passing his physical and Brian Flores declaring an open quarterback competition. That's pretty exciting. Haven't had that kind of meaningful QB competition in South Florida in a long time. We're also going to talk about Brian Flores' comments on his concerns regarding COVID 19 and the fact that Xavier Howard is going to start training camp on the physically unable to perform list, what that means necessarily for the team, if it means anything at all. And then I know you're all waiting for it. We get to my favorite part of the podcast, trivia time. Mine too. We'll... <laughs> I was just about to get there. We'll be recapping the scores, which are heavily in a certain dolphin hat wearing person's favor. Not uh, we'll be discussing uh, not dolphin beanie, specifically a I was gonna call it a trucker cap, but I think it's a baseball cap. And then we're gonna get, baseball into... get trucker cap. <laughs> 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 then we're gonna get into what? our <laughs> we're gonna get into our wild card question of the day. But let's start with some news about opt-outs. Now, no Dolphins players have opted out thus far, which is great for the team, I think specifically because this is sort of a brand new team that has to gel. I'm happy to see that most, if not all, players will be available, those that make the team, of course. Although some players did test positive for COVID-19, Malcolm Perry was one such player. Um, They've all recovered, of course. Other players haven't been specified, by the way, of this recording who tested positive, so if that comes out uh, that would be the reason for not having said it here. Malcolm Perry is actually now donating plasma to help patients recover. Guys, I am um, – not that any of us are doctors here, but I didn't know that once you had COVID-19, you could then donate blood to help other people with COVID-19, which I think is awesome. I just didn't I didn't know yeah, that that was – Yeah, that's how, they,
1: that's how they build those vaccines, right? I think, yeah, the plasma helps I – mean, it may help with the vaccine. I'm not sure. That I definitely don't know about, but I do know that there, with um, patients that are recovering from COVID-19, the plasma helps – Speed up their recovery. Apparently, I know there's a lot we're still sort of learning about this this virus, and so everything's uh, a little bit up in the air. Um, but yeah, Trev, like you said, uh, good to see that Malcolm Perry, fan favorite on this podcast, has recovered. I think there were three Dolphins players that are still, um, or that are that were placed on the COVID reserve list, which means they either had it or they were in close contact with someone who recently has um has had it i know blake ferguson long snapper is one such player because he tweeted out that he is feeling well which means he probably um still has it somewhat in his uh, in his system the other two players uh cordray tankersley and benito jones long shots to make the rosters for sure especially because they're now not currently available for this early portion of training camp
2: you know what you know what i have to say is Not Okay, so this is going to sound weird, but the good thing about these players contracting COVID is obviously terrible that they got it, but it's good to know that there's a system in place that seems to be, at least at the beginning, working to keep... Uh, to keep the majority of players safe, right? I, you know, everything that's happened uh, with the last couple of over the last couple of days with the Marlins has been absolutely insane, and there was obviously not enough protections there. But it's it's nice to see that there is at least a uh, a system that looks as though it could work should COVID have a have a um, an impact on more players throughout the rest of the season. I'm happy you brought
1: that up because it seems as though the NFL, and for great reason. Is going to be far more cautious, uh, far o- far more overly cautious than uh, than you might even expect. The Buffalo Bills specifically had a couple players um, when they came to the facility today test positive, and they're just like, "All right, everyone, go home. We're not even we're not we're not worried about quarantining those players and taking everyone else in. No meetings. Everyone go home. We're just going to do this over Zoom today and figure it out again tomorrow. So I know it's going to be yeah, a very much figured out as we go kind of situation for the entire league." Um, but the fact that uh, you know we're at least seeing teams like the Bills, who may, who had a positive test or two today, saying, "Okay, we're just we're not risking any we're not risking anything today. We're just everyone go home." That's uh, that's good to hear. That that we're definitely putting safety first. I
0: agree. So, on that note, let's talk about a little bit more. Well, this is not positive news. We're going to talk strictly on the field, at least for Dolphins fans, in that we've had. Mind you, these people didn't test positive for COVID. They just opted out. So I guess maybe a little bit more positive than I initially thought. But we have quite a few AFC East players who have opted out from playing this season. Let's just run through some names on the Patriots who have been um, sort of unsurprisingly one of the predominant teams to have players opt out given their uncertain status going forward. Um, But linebacker Dante Hightower, fullback Dan Vital, running back Brandon Bolden, offensive lineman NJ Torin. On. Um, on. the Buffalo Bills, we have defensive tackle star Lutelele. That's an awesome name. And then those were some voluntary opt-outs. In the high-risk category, we have one uh, player on the Patriots, offensive lineman Marcus Cannon. And then for unspecified reasons, uh, we have Patriots safety Patrick Chung. And New York Jets <laughs> offensive lineman there is just absolutely ap- Leo K. <laughs> when I put Co- that one
1: on the topic sheet, Co- I was like, oh, man. I can't Kaloa wait for Trevor try something. That's a cool <laughs> oh, name. Yeah, Kalo- Kaloa Mantangi. Uh, you- Mantang- yeah. yeah. That's a great yeah, name. I'll, I'll let like, you guys Mantang- be the only ones taking shots at that yeah. name. I, uh, you know, Obviously, this list is fluid. Uh, and like Trevor said, we're recording on Thursday evening. So likely that by the time this goes up Friday morning, No other opt-outs have happened that are super high-profile, but you never know. So keep that in mind. This list is definitely fluid. But let's talk about the elephant in the room here, guys. Patriots have five players already, and I don't even think the deal has been signed yet by between the NFL and the NFLPA. So it's like we still got quite a few days where opt-outs can still happen. We got five Patriots players and several, or six Patriots players now, and several starters. That's uh, not a good look is, is this a bill belichick scheme or is this like just not <laughs> not good fortune yeah, it's this, it's for this bill belichick. him
2: going to him going to hightower and chung saying hey don't
1: don't play we'll get trevor lawrence and we'll right. be fine exactly i given the fact that he signed cam newton i'm just gonna go out there and say that bill is trying to win bill bill wants to oh. prove that he can win without brady um but Dennis now cam newton we love you shout out to Cam Newton we love him on this show and so now every every week we have done it every single week we've had a Cam in.
2: Newton reference that's impressive it's incredible
1: for Bill now does he not only have to win without Tom Brady and without several players that left in free agency guys like Ted Karras guys like Landon Roberts guys like Jamie Collins but now with also without players that he was counting on having this season do you Dante guys see Justin's
0: Hightower? grin behind the microphone slowly but surely getting a little bit bigger as he names the players <laughs> unavailable very, to the Patriots? I have a hell a, a whole hell of a lot of respect for Bill Belichick, but even Bill,
1: even Bill, I, I think might have some trouble without all of those guys, plus Donta Hightower, plus Marcus Cannon, plus Patrick Chung. I think it's going to be uh, rough sledding for the Patriots this season, especially given the fact that they're bringing in Cam Newton who is a total wild card and that we don't know uh, what he's going to be like An offense that really doesn't have a lot of weapons and a defense that's lost like virtually every starter that was on the team save for Stefan Gilmore. So but but I think you know if there's one year
2: that Bill Belichick can can kind of cement this idea that you know it wasn't Tom Brady. Yeah, like imagine alone, if he wins like 11 games
0: this year with this team.
2: Right, even if he doesn't make a playoff yeah. push, right? Even if he goes 11 and 5 misses the playoffs cuz the Bills win the division. Um, that would be insane, I mean, and nuts. that would show that Bill Belichick is is the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, coaches of all time. Because he's at this point literally doing it with nobody. He's got, you know, and and we still have over a week before we reali- or before we see the end of this opt out day. So, I mean, it, there could be more players that opt out for for New England, and if Bill Belichick is able to put together a, a even a double digit
0: win season, not just eleven but ten wins, that would be so. That's on that note, coaching. and when we get to pick up the blitz, we'll be talking a little bit about, because obviously over the weekend, we expect more guys to opt out and sort of the impact of that. But let's talk about the AFC East for a second. We talked a lot about rankings. We did this a few months back, which is crazy, about where everybody was in the division. And of course, we started with the AFC East being our home division. Does anybody's rankings change, or do anybody's rankings change based upon these opt-outs, or are we still in the position we were in before? Justin, I don't know if you have, I don't think any of us have right now immediate access, but I think we were all at Bill's at the one I think the two of you were I think Patriots at the two and then Jets and Dolphins kind of three and four yeah if I remember I, uh, correctly
1: I actually might be able to
0: yeah so I, I think I think we all had bills or bills at
1: the one I'm, I'm almost 100% sure we all, all had bills at the one that obviously still sticks they lost Stardley to Lely to the opt-out here I have right here it's uh, everyone had bills at the one Nick and I each had Patriots at the two Dolphins at the three Jets at the four and then Trevor you had Dolphins ahead of New England which I'm sure this doesn't change Nick, I knew. (laughs) Does this news does this news allow you to, in good conscience, bump the Dolphins over New
0: England?
2: Uh, In good conscience, no. Um, Simply because there's still a
0: the hat, Nick. The hat. I,
2: I I'm trying. I'm trying to be unbiased. Obviously, I want them to be better than the Patriots. But if I'm trying to be unbiased, if I'm trying to really examine this, you know, like we've talked about. A lot on this show on pick up the blitz. The Dolphins have a lot of youth, and if that youth takes a little bit of time to gel, right? I can see even though they lost a lot of their starting players, I can see a Belichick team responding better, the right out the gate than a Flores team at this than this specific Flores team. Not, I don't mean that to to slight Brian Flores. I do think he's a great coach. I think that he can bring out the best in his players, but I just think there's so much inexperience that is being relied upon on this dolphins roster that I don't know if this is going to change the outcome of that divisional ranking. What I will say, if this maybe makes you feel better Trevor, is there's no way in hell the jets are going to be higher than the dolphins after everything that's been going on in the last few days. So they are they're not going to drop in my opinion unless something crazy happens and I don't see that happening.
1: They're now further in the cellar than they were before. Um, I don't. I don't think I put the. Paid... Yeah, if there was a fifth spot, the exactly. Jets would take that. It'd be Bills, Pats, Dolphins,
2: insert team, the Jets. <laughs> Maybe like the Marlins, the Jets. <laughs> I
1: don't. I don't think I could, in good conscience, yet put a team that was previously five and eleven over the New England Patriots, coached by Bill Belichick, with just an offseason. a very, um, you know. A very, an offseason that was heavy with uncertainty, an offseason that, of course, everyone says the Dolphins won, but the Dolphins have won off seasons before and hasn't really you know, amounted to a whole lot of anything. So I will say that I am very optimistic about this Dolphins team. I will say that I honestly wouldn't be shocked at all if the Dolphins went out and beat New England week one, with Cam Newton having never played for Belichick before, with the Patriots having had a lot of starters that opted out and now have... They're gonna have to plug and play guys that weren't necessarily ready to start, just like the Dolphins are going to have to do with all these new guys. Um, so I certainly wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins go in and beat New England Week One. But like Nick said, I, I just a team that just went five and eleven over a Bill Belichick coach team um, that just came off, you know, a, a playoff season, um, despite the fact that they lost a lot of guys. I'm not I'm not ready to do it yet, but I'm certainly a lot closer after all of these opt outs. Right, because every
2: time that we doubt the Patriots, what happens? Every, every time. time in the past 20 years, right. when we said, this is the year they're going to collapse, this is the year, you know what happens? They get better and they win a Super Bowl. Nick, you have a,
1: you have a visitor in your... There is, yes, there
0: is a... Um... <laughs> okay, wait, this gives me a good yep. opportunity. I, I need to pause for a second. It's There's now a cat six... behind Nick. Yep. It is now 6.30 on Thursday, the 30th of July which means that NBA tip-off is is happening right now. So I want to give kudos to Adam Silver and Roger Goodell, who's starting the NFL season, Rob Manford of the MLB, and I don't know who the commissioner of NHL is. Somebody can look that up for me. For getting American sports back on, this is a huge, huge deal. So as we talk about football coming back, as if it's sort of a formality this year, I just want to acknowledge that this is like a really, really, really big thing to happen for, I think, the U.S. in general. Gary Bettman. Shout out to Gary. Was it Gary? Gary, Gary, And Gary, and it Gary, 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 Gary Bettman. <laughs> there you go. Um, shout out to the commissioner. Shout out to the leagues and the players, um, all the staff. I think that's awesome that that sports are back. So I, I needed to get that in there before I, we moved on. I
1: will cheers to that, but I will say that Mr. Manfred deserves no shout out whatsoever. I know very little about baseball, but I do know that Mr. Manfred deserves very little of a shout out, despite the fact that baseball is back. Yeah, Anality's the truth nothing. is is, is Not the, the, most well-liked well-liked the, the Roger Goodell booze
0: pale pale in comparison oh, yeah. to the disdain for Uncle Rob of the MLB. But Uncle Rob Uncle Rob but <laughs> it's Uncle Rob and Uncle Bill. But kudos to to all of these organizations uh in for getting sports back. I think it's amazing. So with that out of the way, now that basketball has started, which makes me very happy, let's talk Tua. And let's actually talk about Brian Flores declaring an open quarterback competition. Now this is This is significant for a couple of reasons. This is significant because, obviously, it shows Brian Flores' commitment to the current team he has in place, in spite of the fact that it's unlikely that Tua starts week one, which I think is great for team morale. But I also think this is significant because it's the first time in, guys, in a long time, probably since since Ryan Tannehill came to town. Um, What is it? Seven, eight, nine years ago? I can't remember how long ago it was. He was... Yeah, it was 2012 when he got drafted. That we're having a cube. Wow, so it's more than 10 years ago. That we're having a quarterback competition of significance in South Florida. And guys, I'm sure we all agree here that this is by far the most excited we've been for a quarterback, certainly in my lifetime, coming into Miami. So let's talk about that for a second. Now, Flores says, and and most coaches say this when when a new quarterback comes in, that there's going to be open competition. So. Do we how, how do we think this manifests? Do we feel any differently about the Tua plan coming in maybe after the Jets at Week 12? Um, do we think that maybe this indicates that he might come in sooner? Or are we sort of more consistent with how we felt before? Any thoughts on Flores' comments and Tua passing his physical? So I think that if
2: if we had to adjust what our predictions were, I do think that this the way they're talking about it and the way they're going to give him the chance and the opportunity to beat out Fitzpatrick, uh, I think that is going to change the date that Tua starts. I don't think it's going to be uh, that, what was it, week nine against the Jets that we have been saying over and over again. I don't Now, I don't think he's 12, whatever, whatever, same thing, 9, 12, I teach history. So if the I, – I don't think he's going to start week one. I don't see that happening. But if the team struggles, if the if the um, you know if Fitzpatrick struggles, right? If there's a lot of different reasons to switch to Tua, to I, I see them doing that earlier in the season than I than I at one point thought because I did think that the injury was going to derail his growth a little bit in these workouts that were coming up. So um, the fact that they won't be doing that is actually really good. It's going to probably help him get more. Consistent reps, which is the most important thing for anybody coming into a a starting role. So I could see him, I could see him starting earlier this year than what we once predicted. Although I still don't think he's a week one
1: starter. Trevor, I love how you called this the most significant quarterback competition since you know since Ryan Tannehill was drafted. Um, God, poor Josh Rosen. I mean, uh, like the guy that that seemed like such a significant competition last year, and it's so in hindsight was not especially compared to what we're seeing now. Um, And, you know, it's no one's even talking about Josh Rosen now. A a guy who, obviously, former top 10 pick, um, really hasn't had a shot to do anything. Um, But in terms of this current quarterback competition, honestly, I I don't think this changes a whole heck of a lot. I think Flores knows that Ryan Fitzpatrick is totally cool with the QB competition. He knows that he's the bridge guy. This isn't like he's hurting anyone's feelings. Um, And he's acknowledging that in the same vein – Tua Tagovailoa has, or has to earn this starting spot. Um, and given the current state of things, given the fact that reps will be very hard to come by in this uh, you know COVID-centric um, training camp, given the fact that who knows what regular season games are going to be like. Um, the the reason I think Tua might start earlier is if, God forbid, something happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick where he wasn't totally healthy, whether it be for injury or other reason. But I don't think that... Tua will have enough of a chance to, obviously, in an offense, he doesn't know when Ryan Fitzpatrick does, having worked with Chan Gailey on, uh, on another team with the Jets. I really do think Tua is going to take some time to acclimate, which is totally fine, um, and that he'll come in maybe at the very end of the season or um, or next season, like, like like we had thought before. Um, I, I just I think that's the state of things that we're in right now, and I think it's unfair to expect anything different. Uh, and I'm not surprised that Flores declared this. Uh, what was the exact quote? He said, you always want competition at QB. Some players are further along than others. Clearly talking about Fitzpatrick, but there are no jobs that are going to be handed out. I still think it's going to be Fitzpatrick's job to lose.
0: So with that in mind, let's talk about Flores' overall comments on COVID-19. Justin was actually, um, Justin was actually over earlier today and a segment came on with with Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers on television talking about how he felt about COVID-19. And Flores' comments seem to echo Tomlin's sentiments in that he he was quoted as saying, for the player individually, they're going to have to be responsible or have a responsibility to themselves, to this team, to make sacrifices in the building and outside of the building. If they don't make the right decisions, if we're in bars or crowded restaurants and in concerts, the likelihood of us bringing the virus into the building is very high. So coaches obviously have felt very strongly about this sort of this sort of self-preservation of each particular player for the greater good. And not just, of course, the greater good of the team, but the greater good of the organization. As we know, football is a very, very labor-intensive sport, getting players to and from different places. I mean, it's a huge operation. So I want to talk a, a, just a little bit about sort of specific measures being taken in Miami about COVID-19. Um The Dolphins have now added a second, a new locker room. They have plexiglass between each individual locker. There are obviously hand sanitizers placed throughout the building. And then mask and distance mandates uh, are in place, along with an enhanced weight room. So, not a whole lot to analyze here. Obviously, it's really nice to see Miami taking this very seriously. I know other teams are doing the same. It's obviously very complicated with so many people on an NFL roster, which of course is different than the other three major American sports. It's also very different with the logistics of moving a football team. It's much more complicated to move a football team than it is to move, say, a basketball team. Um, But sort of moving past that, let's talk about Xavier Howard. Now, Xavier Howard is starting training camp on the physically unable to perform list eight months after his surgery, and Flores said he can't put a timetable on Howard's return. So he's been rehabbing the whole summer, making progress, in Flores' words, and he'll be back as soon as he can. So let's talk about that impact on the team. Obviously, as we know, if he starts in the regular season, or if he starts the regular season on the pup list, he'll have to sit at least the first six weeks of the season. So guys, how do we feel this impacts the Dolphins? Obviously not in a positive way. Do we think this is sort of a huge impact on Miami? Does this call into question Xavier Howard's potential career prospects? What are our thoughts here? I'm not particularly worried.
1: Xavier Howard has been, uh, you know, a guy who the Dolphins, both coaching staff, front office, and fans have seen can be a top-tier corner. Some ups and downs in playing um, in his performance, but top-tier corner for the most part when he's on the field. It's been injuries. Injuries has been the problem with his career. He's had the injury bug more than once, and the knee has been a concern. That being said, I mean, at this point, given, like we've talked about a couple times in this episode and obviously in the past couple of podcasts, things are so up in the air that all everyone should be concerned about right now is Xavier Howard being ready for week one. Xavier Howard, at this point, has had a year with Brian Flores' defense. Xavier Howard will be able to step in and perform once healthy, and he still has quite a bit of time to go before week one comes around. And the fact that he's, what is it, like eight or nine months off of uh, knee surgery... He doesn't have to be ready this second. So um, this isn't one of the new free agents. This isn't a rookie draft pick. This is someone who'll be able to come in and step in um, and play right away um, as soon as he's healthy. So at this point, the the primary objective is saving Howard to rehab until you're ready. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I don't
2: think there's anything to be concerned about. I think this is the logical move. I think this is it was it was the expected move as well. I don't um, I don't see this being anything. Uh, long term i don't i don't see it impact in the regular season um, just because he has been rehabbing and because of the the, the, the way things are structured now, I think there's enough time for him to continue to, to rehab and to continue to get strong in that knee and then ultimately be ready for once the regular season starts. So I'm not worried about it. I don't think anyone else should be worried about it. In fact, I think everybody should have expected it really um, um, going into this offseason or going into the training camp. And Trevor, I, I want to make uh,
1: a quick comment on what you were talking about there with Brian Flores' comments and Mike Tomlin's comments. Their comments essentially boil down to, don't be stupid. Right? That's that's what we're that's what we're saying here. Don't go out when you don't have to. Don't interact with people you don't have to interact with and be smart. Now, when you're talking at this point, 80 plus guys in terms of players, uh, many, many more, dozens more in terms of staff and management. Chances are, and I think fans should have certain expectations here. Someone's going to be stupid. <laughs> like it's probably going to happen at some point. With at least one person on each team doesn't mean it's going to be a player, but someone. It only needs to be someone in the building, right? And so, Brian Flores and I'm sure I'm sure Brian Flores's comments here and Mike Tomlin's comments are almost identical to every other coach in the entire league. Guys, just please don't be stupid. And we saw what happened with the Marlins. It's presumed that someone went out for an ad on the town, and now like the entire team has COVID. So, I think expe- the entire team much. So I think the expectations should be set here. the The goal, in my opinion with this season to make sure it lasts as long as possible is of course for the players and staff to be smart, but knowing that inevitably something's probably going to happen for things to be managed appropriately, decisively and quickly so that as soon as someone is symptomatic, as soon as it seems like someone may have something wrong, just like what the bills did today, everyone go home and then we'll come back when we're ready to come back. And so that's going to screw up some practice schedules. Hopefully, not any game schedules. But as long as the league is focused on handling each individual case like that, decisively and quickly, I think that's how you make sure the season can move forward. Um, but yeah, I actually I actually wanted to comment on yeah. that
2: as well. Um, and it's actually the same, basically the same comment that you made, which is. Um, you know, more or less that you know we can put all these precautions in place, right? You can have plexiglass between the lockers. You can have hand sanitizing stations. If, if one of these guys goes out and does something stupid and gets it, then it's over, right? So, you know, I really hope, I really hope that the Marlins and what has happened with the Marlins is an example for everybody who is in professional sports, whether that be uh, on the basketball court. Thankfully, they're in that bubble, which, you know, at this point, things are good. Um, but, you know, whether you're playing soccer overseas, whether you're playing soccer here, whether you're a part of the NFL, I, I hope that it's a, a sign that you need to, part of it is you. It's your responsibility if you wanna be able to
1: avoid the COVID. Yeah, there are sacrifices that need to be made beyond if you wanna obviously the players are taking a serious sacrifice and saying I'm gonna go play, but there are other sacrifices involved. It's fewer it's less contact with friends and family, it's not being able to go out at night, which I'm sure some of them do, whether it's for a meal or anything else, you know, there's some personal sacrifices that are going to have to be made to ensure that the season is able to progress. Um, and that's what Brian Flores is preaching here—that like for the entire team, guys, you're doing this for each other, and it's these are serious asks of sacrifices that they're that they're asking here to not you know be able to see your friends and family the way you normally do. Um, but I think that's what his comments really, and his and his plea to his team really boils down to.
0: I'm smiling because it's, it's time. time for my favorite part of the podcast and Nick's favorite it part. Is- time and hey, my
2: favorite part i'm not trying i'm not bragging
0: it is time for finn's fan for friday trivia now i would like to take some time to go over the cumulative point scores and the segment scores i'm sighing because it's it's become a little bit of a bloodbath here on finn's fan for, ladies and gentlemen i'm sorry to uh, to report Before before we get into the scores, just to clarify, we will be resetting this season as, I think it was when week one kicks off, right? Is that what we've decided? Okay. So, in terms of points, trivia time, cumulative points score, Nick is at eight and a half total points. Justin is at a one total point. And for the segment scores, Nick has five segments and Justin has a singular solo one segment win. So, we're going to try and fix a little bit of that lopsidedness today. Although I say we, my questions are always very impartial. In fact, these questions are going to be both, generally speaking, before your time. And when I say time, I mean birth. So, for both of us? For the both of you. You guys did We're ask for no, it. Okay.
1: going back. So, All right, let's do Nick's it. the history teacher. He has an edge. He I, has an edge. going yeah, to teach American history, not football. Come if on. If I remember correctly, you also. Some sort of so, sports.
0: just to clarify the rules, we are going to be going with five questions per game of trivia. Buzz in with your name and only your name. If you buzz in with the other person's name, that person gets a point, so definitely don't do that. If you buzz in with your name, you want to be sure you know the answer, because if you get the incorrect answer, you lose half a point. You can then go double or nothing by buzzing in, again, with your name and only your name. Gentlemen, are we clear on the mm. rules?
1: Are clear and ready. Yes, is it
0: five questions again? It is five questions. Are we ready? Born ready. Here we go. Question one the Miami Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium just hosted this year's Super Bowl, obviously, seeing Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, defeat the san francisco 49ers the last time hard rock stadium it was not called hard rock stadium i might i don't remember what it was called i think it might have been dolphin stadium at that point Uh, the last time hard rock stadium hosted a super bowl was february 7th 2010 i would like to know the team that won that super bowl nick nick
2: the indianapolis colts
0: it was not the indianapolis colts
1: that was going to be my answer. You were thinking against the Bears, right?
0: Right? I was. Okay. Going indeed. once. Yep. Going twice. And sold. So, the Indianapolis Colts did defeat the Chicago Bears in, on February 4th of 2007. But the Saints ah. defeated the Colts in 2010. Damn it. So, Nick is actually... Damn it. ...rarely
2: in the hole here. I, I was... I second-guessed myself with the Saints. I was going
0: to chime back in with the Saints, and I blew it. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Sure. Question yeah. number two. When, what year, did the Dolphins last win the AFC East division?
1: Justin. 2008. Recognized.
0: It so, was yeah. 2008. There we go. I don't want to get cocky here, but there we go. done. I called okay. it pre- pre-show. Justin is up. One point, ta- negative half a point. And so, here we go. Question number three. There are three Dolphins uniforms that are currently retired. Bob Greasy at number 12, Dan Marino at number 13, and this other player at number 39. Who is that player? Nick. Nick. Larry Zonka. It is Larry Kazanka? <laughs> There we go. Very nice. Nick now has half a point. Justin still has one point. Question number four. Which Miami Dolphin holds the record for the most career receptions? This record happened between the years 1983
2: and 1992. Nick. 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 Mark
0: Duper. It is not Mark Duper.
1: Justin. Nick. Oh, I, I said that first. It <laughs> was Justin
0: by a hair. Damn it. Late. It was Mark Clayton. Uh. So I think Justin's at two and Nick is at zero, which means that for the first time in God knows how many weeks, Justin is in an unlosable position. i, I I'm uh. sure you were also
1: going back and forth between the two. yeah
0: i was Uh, question number five what was the first name of hard rock stadium
2: Oh, I have, I have a couple guesses, but I, I'm nervous. You know what? I've already, wait, are we keeping total score or are we just going by games?
0: I know that Justin's certainly keeping total score for this game. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, but going forward, how are we doing this? I think we're we are I keeping think
0: score we're, we're keeping and both. games, but it does technically go by games.
2: Oh, wait, hold on. Is this a trick question?
0: It is not a trick. No.
2: <laughs> next, next, really analyzing this
1: one. Okay, so I I'm gonna if I, I, I we're I now, gonna have a time limit happen here. I also have a few, but I'm not I'm not certain enough on any to take a shot. So I'll leave it to you.
2: Okay, so Nick,
0: recognized
2: the Orange Bowl.
0: It is not the Orange Bowl. I actually think Orange the Orange Bowl well, is then- a different stadium.
2: Yeah, but didn't they play their games at the beginning there? It's not
0: one of the names.
2: So then Nick. 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 Joe Joe Robbie Stadium. Is
0: Joe Robbie Stadium. So it has been called Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player Park, Pro Player Stadium, Dolphins Stadium, Dolphin Stadium, Landshark Stadium, and Sun Life Stadium, and now Hard Rock Stadium. So Nick ends that game with half a point, and Justin. Justin, my boy. Ending with two points on the board. Taking this game home. Very how, exciting. How
1: long was it? Does it say how long it was, Joe Robbie? Because I was leaning pro player park first, and Joe it Robbie was does, giving a second guess. It, but
0: it does not say that. No, yeah, I'm curious. Okay. Yeah.
1: So and it looks it looks as
2: though the that I that the orange bowl was where the Dolphins started. Okay. So I'm not I'm not like crazy for thinking that. I guess you're Nick. Nick you with you are the answer justification
0: nine. there, the judges have adjudicated, and your answer is still. <laughs> incorrect. Unfortunately,
2: they played there for the first 21 seasons. Still, 21. S- their first 21 Still not.
0: Unfortunately, not the not the correct answer. The <laughs> judges are in my ear. They're weighing in, just to clarify. But the
2: question was flawed. The question was flawed. You asked where they played yeah, you're first. You're still your up bowl. five
1: to two. You're still
2: up five to I, two. I, I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. You know what? You're right. I'm gonna gracefully take. My loss.
0: Oh so Justin, Nick very slyly there has made you feel a little a little worse about your win. Just 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 the hair. hair. In the in the spirit of the NBA coming back, for those of you who know me, you know that the NBA is my sport of choice. I would love to hear who we think is going to take home the Larry O'Brien trophy this year as our wild card question of the day.
2: Ooh, Milwaukee Bucks. Okay,
0: that is a that's a pretty hot take. So Nick has the Bucks taking it all home. And who do they win over? Who do they win over in the finals, just out of curiosity? I'm going to say...
2: I'm doing this by flying by the seat of my pants. I'm going to say Milwaukee over the
1: Clippers. Okay. So, I... Trevor, like you said, I was over today and we were watching ESPN, and I'm going Lakers because we were watching one of the segments. uh, It was like, you know, Lakers or Clippers, who's more set to win? And the reason I'm going Lakers is not, not super backed up by any... Um, statistical measure. But the fact that the Lakers right now have a rather older team, it's a team that this might be one of their last shots for a lot of these players to have a really good chance to win a title. Um, and I think for for some of these guys, for some of these guys on this team, and I think for for that reason, um, again, this is not super backed up by anything statistical, but I think, I think just in terms of the pressure, I think in terms of the fact that this is – uh, a rather veteran team playing in a rather unfamiliar situation and so i think they'll come together and be able to take it home obviously also the fact that you have lebron and uh, ad certainly is uh, is reason enough on its own um, and so i'm 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 going to go lakers
0: i'm going to go with the heat being that it's a Dolphins ah, podcast i knew it and that i knew i'm a to South florida native sort of um, there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that I think a young team is going to do very well in this brand-new sort of quarantine bubble scenario. I have actually—I'm not going to lie here. I do have the basketball on one of my tabs so I can watch the Jazz take on the Pelicans because I had to see the first game back. And I'm watching the players run down the court, and there's some clear lethargicness. Lethargy is the word. There's some clear lethargy, um, and I'm seeing it a little SAT bit more, words. I think— I think, with the the older players. But the reason why I believe in the Heat is because I believe in Jimmy Butler. And I think that if there's going to be a year where a sort of dark horse team like the Heat is going to sort of eke one out without like a true, true superstar player like an AD or a LeBron or a Kawhi or a Paul George or a Giannis, I think that it's the Heat this year. I think that also the the East is very tough, but it's not as tough given that Kawhi is no longer present. So I think it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, if you can't tell, super excited that basketball is back and that football is coming. But I think between the three of us, we certainly have the most likely teams to win, obviously not counting the Clippers, who I think most people will agree are probably the favorites and to win this year. But And I was reading something
2: I was reading something about the Raptors doing uh doing something Led too Led by Pascal very, Siakam. You know, yeah. we don't talk I know Yeah, we don't talk much about the Raptors, but they're the two seed in the East right they,
0: now. They they have done what they've been able to do up in Toronto has been nothing short of extraordinary losing losing arguably the best player in the league to be that good. It's crazy. I saw I
2: also saw another piece while I was um I don't know what I was doing, but today. I saw, And it was actually talking about the percentages. Since we're talking about the Heat, it was talking about the percentages that they could of where they'll fall in the rankings or the percentages of how far they'll get in the playoffs. And it was was like a 46% chance that they're going to be in the four seed, like a 10% chance they're in the three. It was basically there's very – it's a very low chance that they miss out on the playoffs based on their current seeding. But what I found was fascinating is that they had like a 70% prediction rate to make it to the second round of the playoffs and then a zero percent chance of making it to the finals. Uh, to, the, to the conference finals. I thought that was fascinating. To the conference finals?
0: finals? Who do they have them playing in that's in that to, second round.
2: So what if I if I can if I don't remember exactly who they had them playing, but I think what the most logical scenario would be with them be they would have to play the Bucks in the second round and everyone's predicting that the Bucks would beat them. Although although the Heat are the team that uh Giannis Antetokounmpo plays the worst against. Yes,
0: they don't he does not play well against the Heat. And maybe does not play but well, he may play
1: for the them very soon. Who knows. Hey, that Who might be knows? that might be crazy.
0: Man, oh man. Oh, man. Could you imagine Giannis, Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler on one team? That would
1: be What a nuts. time that and would Bam, be.
0: And Bam
2: and Tyler Hero yeah. and Duncan Rock especially but, before you Yon, have to pay those guys. You don't even need it's gonna Oladipo. Be crazy.
0: It's going to be crazy.
2: Right. You don't even need Oladipo. Just get Giannis pair him with all of those shooters and Bam, who's basically just another Giannis but just is not as offensively gifted, that team, that team's going to be ruling the East. To
1: tie it back around, could you imagine a South Florida with Giannis and Jimmy Butler and Tuatango Veloa, all as the face of South Florida sports? That would be a time to be a Who? South Florida sports fan. And Sandy sports Alcantara.
2: Fan. Who? The pitcher for the Marlins. Um. He was the... Uh, <laughs> He was the all-star rep for the Marlins last year. Sandy Alcantara, I think that's his name. He's actually a very good pitcher. It's just he has COVID. Oh, as does everyone on the team. We don't want to see
0: that. We don't want to see that. And I'm gonna go watch the basketball because I'm super excited about the NBA season, guys. Thank you so much for your time, and as always, thank you to all of you for spending just a little bit of your Friday with us. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and we look forward to chatting with all of you on Pick Up the Blitz this coming Monday. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Cheers.